Good evening. Good evening. I heard Doug. And that's all I heard. Good evening. Good evening. Alright, that's much better. Let me turn this let me turn this thing on so maybe hopefully you can hear me. If, yeah, that thing's working too. So if I get away from this thing, maybe you can hear me both ways. Thank you for being here. Thank you for making the decision this evening to come and join us and be here as part of our Tri-State U Series as the second one in the, in the series for the, for the year of 2021. I don't think you guys as young people fully, fully know what it means for your attendance and your presence here this evening and how encouraging and uplifting it is that, that, you've, that you've made the effort and the commitment to be here this evening. I also want to extend a appreciation and, and thank you to Brother Caleb and, and Brother Steve and their work on uh, putting this year's series together. Um, Caleb was instrumental in, in a lot of this, a lot of the, the graphic that you see and, and the thoughts that are, are, uh, are put together as far as revolutionary discipleship. How following Jesus changes everything. And that's our, that's our theme. That's our basis of what we'll be studying as we go throughout from different congregation to congregation. How do we as New Testament Christians live and act and conduct ourselves has a lot to do with how we understand and how we view and how we see the text that we'll be studying through, specifically the Sermon on the Mount in this revolutionary discipleship. If you haven't already got your Bible out or if you haven't borrowed something from a neighbor, I'd encourage you to take notes. Take down a few, jot down a few things. Hopefully there's something that you can take home with you, something that sticks with you this evening that'll be beneficial for you as we go through our lesson this evening. I first really want to kind of think about this idea of, of revolutionary discipleship as, as far as a way of introduction and, and consider the, the words revolutionary first. Start with that. <clears throat> revolutionary. Well, obviously, if, if you're in history class, you might think back to a Revolutionary War or something to, to that effect. But really what, I, what, what we want you to get and what we want you to understand is being revolutionary means you're going to be radically different than everybody else. Radically different. I, I hope that, that, might, that image, that word sticks with you. That you're somebody that's evolving or involving and causing dramatic change in others is another thought of, of, of revolutionary. It's something that's going against the norm. And then this idea of discipleship. The idea of discipleship is, is, is defined by Webster as, as, a, as somebody that is a follower of a teacher or a school. Not just a student, not just a learner, but a follower, somebody that is, is, is engaged and applies what is being learned, somebody that's willing and actively asking, what would Jesus do? Qualities that a disciple should possess as we consider this, this idea of discipleship, they should be individuals that are, are willing to share the good news with non-believers. They should be individuals that are, are willing to teach, individuals that love God, Individuals that stand out 
Individuals that deny themselves, taking up their cross daily and following Jesus. Individuals that stand firm on God's word. Individuals that have fellowship with other believers, much as what we're doing today, and fellowshipping and enjoying each other's company. Individuals that are imitators of Christ. People that are dedicated, steadfast, immovable, investing their time into seeking and saving the lost. This idea of revolutionary discipleship is nothing new. In fact, in the Sermon on the Mount over 2,000 years ago, that's what Jesus was teaching and preaching and proclaiming, revolutionary discipleship. And that's the same thing that, that we need to be following through with today. So if you haven't figured it out already, this year's study is going to be based on the, on the books of Matthew or the chapters of Matthew 5, 6, and 7, as we work our way through the, through the Sermon on the Mount. Last month in Venita, we began with the Beatitudes and, and, and seeing the, seeing the, the, the lesson from there. This evening, we're going to continue into the next section. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 5, and that's going to be the study for our, our text, uh, the section for our text this evening. To be a disciple of Christ, to be a Christian means that you're going to be a little bit, you're going to have, live a little bit of a different life. You're going to have a different lifestyle even than the rest of the world. Different in the point of being revolutionary like we mentioned, being radical, and it's going to cause you to stand out. And our text this evening emphasizes that emphasizes that we're going to be different, that we're going to be standing out, and we're going to focus in on this word right here. The word is influence. The capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone or something, or the effect itself. Influence is going to be our study this evening as we consider the disciples' Influence. Got too far away from my notes, sorry. As we consider the influence, the word influence, I really want us to think more in the terms of the power that you possess to influence others. Every one of us in here, every single one of you, has the power to influence others. So my objective this evening with this lesson is to direct us to the words of our Savior and to help us realize that every one of us in here have an influence and that influence matters. I want you to turn to the person beside you. Okay, some of you did it with even out without me. Your, your immediate reaction when you turn to that person beside you, just a bit being encouraged to do so, what did you do? You turned and you what? You smiled. What did that person do in return to your smile? Do what? Looked at you funny, okay? Some of you may have looked at each other funny, but some of you turned and smiled at somebody. <laughs> and
and in return you got what? Did you influence that person? Did that person influence you? That's something as simple to understand as how influence works. A smile, a big cheesy smile on your face will have an influence when you walk down the hall at school tomorrow. It'll have an influence when you come into, into contact with other people. Something as simple as smiling has an influence on others. Quote for you, smiling unknowingly influences how other people will respond to you. Because you've got a smile on your face and you engage people with a smile, that influences how they see you, how they respond, and how they react. On the flip side of that, if you turn that smile upside down and as Stephen made light of, put a frown on, right? I'm going to get you a smile, even though, okay, you're going to, you're going, you're going to take that frown People will react to that as well. Which would you rather react to, the smile or the frown? Well, hopefully the smile. This evening we want to look at the text from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. As we continue in our study of the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to take and break, break out these verses, but I want to read them as far as kind of an introduction and get, get, the, get the foundation for where we're going with our lesson this evening. Verse 13 starts, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Is it then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men? Verse 14, have you heard this one before? Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So we're going to take and break this scripture down this evening, because this scripture, if you've got a red letter Bible, these words are red, because they're whose words? They're the words of Jesus. Jesus is teaching his disciples here that they must take their influence very seriously. And he's teaching us that we've got to take our influence very seriously. You know, a disciple that we talked about earlier is one who applies what they've learned. We need to take and apply this scripture and do what Jesus is telling us to do. He wants us to be different. So that means a disciple's influence is going to be different than the rest of the world's. A disciple has to challenge themselves to go in the direction or the mentality against what worldly mentality is going to tell you, you, way, you the way you should live your life. Statements like, I don't care what others think about me. It doesn't matter what I do. And it's nobody's business. Has no room in the Christian mentality. When you take this scripture and apply it 
for what it says. Because all of those statements have to do with your influence. You see, your influence matters because your behavior, your actions affect your influence. Influence is always happening. When you go and around other people, influence is always in play. Influence goes both ways. Either you're being influenced by others, or others are influencing you. Influence can be for the good, but it can also be for the bad. So when we consider influence this evening, we are considering more than just the people that you hang out with and how that affects you. We need to look deeper at our relationships and determine why are we friends with certain people? Who are our true friends? Who are we seeking out and who are we following? What kind of friends do you have? I want you to consider these as, as tough questions because I want us to determine whether our influences in our lives are going to be in one of two categories. You're going to have influences in your life that are assets, that are positive. Those are good things. But you're also going to have influences in your life that are liabilities. Those are negative. Those are bad things, and they're going to bring you down. Because the right influence versus the wrong influence can affect your salvation. And to put it bluntly, the influences that you have today will affect where you spend eternity. The influences that you have today will affect where you spend eternity. So I feel tasked with a very heavy responsibility this evening as we consider your influence in the people that you need to hang around or be around. What's your influence like? Obviously, if we talked earlier, it's the smile versus the frown. Maybe it's something in regards to sayings or, or, or statements. Consider an, uh, an illustration about a mother's influence. A mother took her young, young son shopping. After a day at many stores, the clerk at one of these stores handed the little boy a lollipop. The mother prodded the son and said, what do you say? The boy replied, just put it on my credit card. He'd heard mom say that all day long. She'd influenced him that that was the proper response instead of, thank you, just put it on my credit card. She'd influenced him throughout her actions today. So I want us to consider this evening whether it's the influence you have over your family, whether it's the influence you have over your friends, whether it's influence maybe other students, your teammates, your co-workers, wherever you're going to get up and go in the morning, I want you to realize that you have influence. The question is, what direction is your influence leading others? Six principles this evening that we're going to consider. So I hope you can write these down. They're pretty short. Our first one is commit to do the right thing. That's a principle to influencing others in the right direction is commit to the, do the right thing. Right, from, right off the bat, from, from Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. 
Well, we know about salt. You like salt? Sometimes it can be a good thing. Sometimes too much salt can be a bad thing. But one thing we do know about salt, it's pretty remarkable in what it can do. Because it preserves things. If you salt meat, it will last longer. It will stay good and will, have a, and will be preserved through the salting process. Back before the days of refrigeration, which is obviously when Jesus was teaching, they didn't have refrigerators back then, they knew what salt, the value of salt, and what being the salt of the earth meant. Salting meat was the primary way to keep it good. Without salt, meat turns into a breeding ground for bacteria. And bacteria quickly causes meat to rot and to ruin. In the same way, our influence can cause others to either be preserved or to rot. If you want to influence others, you've got to make the decision and got to make the commitment to do the right things. A couple questions for you. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to be good when you're around good people? Like today, for instance. When you're with this group of, of people, it's easy to be good. We all tend to have a good positive influence on one another. But say, come up this weekend that you're not around this group, that you're with another group of people, and their interests aren't so wholesome and holy, and they decide maybe to do some bad things. Is it, it's easy then to be influenced by bad people. We all know those groups. You know who they are when you walk in the door at school. The good groups, the not-so-good groups. You know the right ones and the wrong ones. You know the ones, for instance, that you can walk up to, perhaps share that dirty joke or that off-color joke or, or that statement that you would never think about saying, perhaps with the group that we're with tonight. So as we think about those groups, let me ask you a question. Which one are you? What direction have you chosen to influence others? And are you committed, committed, as we have on the slide, commit, are you committed to doing the right things? Now that's in your daily interaction whenever you go into class or school or your daily life. A whole other realm of things that, that seems to be to have developed over the past several years is in regard to that nice little electronic device that probably every one of us have in our possession or close to us. How are you using that little apparatus to influence others? Whatever app of your choice may be, whether it be TikTok, whether it be Instagram or Snapchat or whatever the latest fad is that I'm way behind on, I'll tell you that right now, whatever that social platform is, are you using that to influence others? Or are you more concerned about getting likes, increasing your followers, being popular? 
when you create a post or create a, a video or, or something that you, you put on, on, on the social media platforms, when you post something, do you question how is this going to influence others in the way that they see me, not only as the way that they see me, but in the way that they see me as a Christian, as a follower, as a believer, as somebody that proclaims to know Jesus? Does that post cross your mind as being something that is a salt of the earth? I hope it does after this lesson. Is that post, is your activities, those that influence others to prevent decay and rot in others, or is it helping the process along? Our second point, we're going to keep expanding upon this salt a little bit, and the fact that surround yourself with those you want to influence and be influenced by. Keeping in mind that salt, putting that salt on meat, they just didn't take a, a, a small, small, a small, there's too many S's in this, but I'll get it out. A small salt shaker and sprinkle a little bit of salt on top of the meat. They took, in order to preserve the meat, and completely immersed it and surrounded it in the salt in order to preserve it. They rubbed it into the meat, and it became part of the meat in order to be able to save it and preserve it. The reality is, the salt wasn't doing any good whatsoever setting in the salt shaker. If it's still in the nice little Morton's can, without the flip top on it, sealed up, it's doing absolutely no good to the other salt that it's around. It's only when it's applied, and it's surrounding and becoming part of that it does what it's intended to do. It's got to get out of the salt shaker. Much in the same regard, we've been blessed with, with winter weather, whether you like it or not here, at least in, in northeast Oklahoma, and most of you are farther north of here, so I know you've had a good dose of winter weather as well. Salt in a, in a, in a, in a dump truck going down the highway is not doing any good unless that spreader's on. It's not doing any, it's not helping the salt, or not helping the ice that's on the roads melt if they don't have the spreader on. It melts the ice when it comes in contact with the ice and spreads out across the surface and makes the roads safer. Salt has to be applied in both instances. If we're going to be the salt of the world, salt of the earth, we need to be applying ourselves to the world. So here's the application. As followers, as disciples of Jesus, he has sent us to help melt the unbelieving hearts of those who are around us by being the salt of the earth. That means we've got to get out and become in contact with others and the rest of the world in order to influence them. And sometimes I think we miss the point of this scripture of being the salt of the earth because it's easy to, stand, to sit, in this, sit in these pews. It's easy for me to stand up here and, and proclaim about it and to tell you about it where it really gets challenging is when you get up in the morning and go to school. When we get up in the morning and go to work 
And we have to show others. We understand it's important to influence others. But people, they don't really care if we tell them, and we can tell them till they're blue in the face. Till we're blue in the face, excuse me. Where it makes a difference is how we live our lives and how we influence others by showing them. That's when they start to listen. That's when the ears will be open and the opportunities will be, be there for you to share the gospel with others. The old statement that says your actions and behavior may be the only Bible that some people read is very true. And it all has to do with your influence. Our third point, be, convic be convicted, or our third principle, be convicted in your beliefs. Jesus tells us in verse 13 that if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is good for nothing. Good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled under foot of men. Continuing that Bible that, that other people will read, continuing with that analogy... Our influence is important because not exactly what we do, but who we are. Revelations talk about a lukewarm Christian, a halfway Christian, somebody that's, that's halfway in the church and halfway in the world. Their influence is not going to be as good or as strong as those that are fully committed convicted to following Christ. Salt losing its flavor. I'm trying to find a good image uh, of this, but this is some nasty salt. Let's just let's put it at that. It's some nasty salt. You're not going to want to take and put this on your baked potato because it's got some other stuff in it that's not going to taste very good on your tater. Jesus' point was whenever the salt is not doing what it's supposed to do, it's trash. It's rubbish, and it's got to be thrown out. So if we want to influence our family, our friends, our co-workers, other students, we've got to start by being the right kind of person every day. One that is convicted to living the life that God wants you to live. And making it a priority to stay close to God. Those things that, that you've been taught, most of you from an early age, of, of talking to God daily through prayer. Those things of being encouraged to read and study your Bible daily. Obeying His commandments. Those are the starting points to developing the conviction that you need to have in your belief. Because a loving, obedient life that is living to fulfill the commands of God is the starting point to influencing others. Number four, our fourth principle, display the light. Display the light. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city that sits on a hill cannot be hidden. Sometimes in this area, from here to the south, 
down 69 Highway, when we got a low cloud deck, kind of like we do tonight, and maybe it's not raining, you look back to the east, and you can see the lights reflecting off of the clouds from areas like Tulsa and Broken Arrow, that metropolitan area over there in that, in that area. They're displaying the light. It's radiating up and then being reflected back off the clouds. That's what lights do, is they, they brighten things. They illuminate things. They dispel darkness. Lights show the way. You get the analogy? To influence others, we have to show them the way. Do we realize that as being a Christian and being a follower of Christ, that our life is always on display? I want you to get that. Our life is always on display. If you're living the Christian life, you are an individual that glows, that lights up a room, that illuminates the right, and that dispels darkness, that is sin. You're to be a light that cannot be hidden. Anything come to mind? This little light of mine? I'm going to let it shine? Hide it under a bushel? That's another slide. Got ahead of myself. But we've got other, other, other songs that talk about being a light. And Jesus was that light. Now, where I was going with this illustration, all of you guys have probably got your cell phones, right? It would be too distracting to do this in an, in an orderly manner, but I want you to consider what most times your phones have so many different tools and different, different things that, that we use them for, but one of the first things that's right up on the home screen is the flashlight, right? Anybody use the flashlight? Like everybody uses the flashlight now, right? Because it's there. Thought about taking and using the example of you know, having certain groups turn on the light or turn the, turn the light off in here and having certain groups light up their cell phones and, and showing how that would work and how that would dispel and, or display the light versus dispelling the darkness. I think we can all visualize that and, and think about it this evening that, that your, your phone, that when you use it for a flashlight or when you just use a plain old mag light, if you have one of those anymore, that it radiates the light in a dark room. The application, do you radiate light to those around you? Or, neat little trick on the iPhone. You can adjust the brightness, right? So that you can get optimum light output out of that little flash or you can dim it down just a little bit or a little bit more until it's or a little bit more if we're the light of the world do we have a slight adjustment that varies on who we're around does that make sense do you adjust how bright your light is 
depending upon who you're around? Or is your light on high all the time? We'll look at this a little bit later on in, in a little more detail. But the point I want you to get is that our lives are to be light and we're supposed to dispel darkness. And the question is, are you displaying your light? Our fifth principle is we're supposed to stand up and stand out. Stand up and stand out. Verse 15, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand and give light to all those who are in the house. What Jesus is saying here is very, very simple. Light is meant to be seen. Light is meant to be seen. How silly is it to take and turn on a light in your room or light a lamp in your, in your room and then cover it up with something? You turn it on to illuminate. This is a pretty accurate analogy of, of what, what they're talking about is putting a, a lighting a lamp. That would be the primary light in a, in, a, in, a, in a house in the day of the New Testament and then throw a basket over it. It's not going to do any good. In the same way, how silly is it for, for us to have a Christian life that's, that's doing the things that we're talking about, have, trying to have the right type of influence and be the proper example to others, but keep it to ourselves and not share it. Jesus didn't tell us that we are to be the light of the church. You know, as we're gathered together, this evening, we are the church. And it's awful easy to be a bright light in this assembly. But he didn't tell us to be a bright light to the church. He told us to be a bright light to the world. What does that mean? That means when you walk through these doors, you're coming here to get that slide adjustment on, on your iPhone pushed all the way up. And when you're walking out these doors... You're going out to illuminate to the world what God has called us to be. I get it. This can be challenging. It's hard. It's difficult. But we need to get rid of this little slide adjustment in our lives. We need to get rid of it so that it doesn't vary depending on who we're around. We need to set our brightness as high as we can get it so that when you leave the church, you're on high. On Monday morning, when you go back to school, you're still on high and you're not bumping it down. And that by the time you get through Wednesday, that you can come back and, and keep it high. And that, so that's the point whenever you get to the weekend and there's opportunities to do something that you perhaps shouldn't be doing, that you'll have the conviction, have the mindset to follow through with the beliefs that Christ would have you to have you want you to have, and have the guts to stand up and to stand out and say, I won't be a part of that. Making these decisions making this commitment, making, having these convictions, it's challenging, but that's what salt and light does, and that's what Jesus wants us to get as we study this text this evening. We recently studied in, in, uh, kind of along these lines in our high school class on Sunday mornings, and, and in, within that class was this, this story I want to share with you about a guy by the name of Tom. 
Tom was in a youth group and a member of the church. But Tom, he was running around with the wrong crowd. Tom, you see, he was a good guy. He was raised in a good Christian family. But he had an intense desire to be popular and to be accepted by the cool group, the popular group of kids. The story begins with Tom's minister getting a frantic phone call from Tom's mother asking him to come quickly to their home. The police had arrived at 6 a.m. to take Tom into custody. The night before, Tom was out with four friends just cruising around when one of them got the idea that they need to rob a convenience store out in an isolated area. Tom knew that this was wrong and he found himself in a tight spot. He told his friends he wanted to go home. And when they couldn't talk him into going along with him in their decision to, to do this bad thing, they reluctantly took him home, but they ridiculed him. Called him names like chicken. Told him that if you were a real man, we wouldn't be taking you home right now. However, Tom went home, went in, and went to bed relieved that he had found his way out of trouble. But unfortunately, the story didn't end there. His friends broke into the convenience store shortly after midnight and stole several items. As the friends were leaving the scene of the robbery, one of them noticed that in Tom's haste to get out of the car, he left his coat. To get back at Tom for being a coward, they tossed his coat into the store but what they didn't know was that Tom's mom had written his name inside the coat. So it didn't take long for the police to track down Tom. Tom eventually was sent to juvenile detention center for his punishment. The other four boys were never arrested. They were never punished because there was no direct evidence linking them to the crime. So Tom was serving a time for a crime that he didn't commit while his friends who committed the crime were free. In spite of a good decision and an attempt to stand up and to stand out, Tom's influence was still not powerful enough to overcome the wrong influences of his friends. So let me be very clear about standing up and standing out. You will not be popular if you do this. But we must remember we're not called to be popular. Satan, he wants us to think that we need to be popular, that we need to be cool, and that we need to fit in. But we need to remember that Jesus, he wasn't popular. He wasn't to the popular to the point it cost him his life, and he died for us. We need to realize that popularity is fleeting, but our influence, that's going to follow you your whole life. If you want to influence in the right direction, it will cost you popularity. But a positive note, 
when you have the courage and the conviction and the belief to stand up and stand out, chances are, if you're in the right crowd, even though you're in the wrong crowd, if you're in the right crowd, that makes sense, someone else will stand up with you. If you have the conviction to say, I don't want to be a part of this, somebody else will follow you and not be a part of it either. That's influence. What are you doing with the light in your life? Are you standing up and are you standing out? Or are you hiding your light, as the image earlier? Or are you adjusting it as need be to who you're around, what you're around, and what you're doing? Our final thought this evening, shine bright because you're shining for God. Verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. When you walk into a room, you flip the switch. You flip the switch to illuminate the room. You don't flip the switch and go in and stare at the light, do you? You flip it so that it will illuminate what's in there. The light is not, as you focus on any one of these lights in here, the light's not in here to, to draw attention to itself. It's there to illuminate so that others can see or so that you can see what's going on. The light reveals what's in the room. Our actions and our behaviors are not intended to be ones that draw attention to ourselves, but rather our conduct and our behavior should be one that is pointing or focusing or giving direction to Christ and to God. Maybe loses some effect by the time it goes from computer to projector and everything, but that's supposed to be a bright light. Paul said, whatever you do, do it, do it all to the glory of God. When Peter wrote about the talents God has given him, he emphasized that we are to use them so that all things, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 11. Do your actions bring glory to God? Are you shining light in the direction of Jesus? I appreciated your attention. You guys have stayed with me. One more slide for us to consider. Actually, a few more, but one more point. And then I'll wrap it up. High potency plus close proximity equals high impact. I want to use this formula as we sum up our, our thoughts this evening of influence. Potency is the power that we have to influence something. Proximity is obviously nearness. Impact is results. We've talked about salt. We've talked about light. 
We've talked about a life that is committed to doing the right things, surrounding ourselves with others that we want to influence and be influenced by. We've talked about being convicted to God. We've talked about displaying our light. And we've talked about being willing to stand up and stand out. Those are all things of high potency. Proximity. That's getting close to people. That's being in people's lives, being engaged and being part of them. And living and, and, and dwelling one another much as what the church did in the New Testament. Developing an attitude of love, one that where we, we love and we show others that we love by our actions. If we take those two things we've talked about this evening and living and dwelling with others, we will have a high impact. We will get results. And the results that we are trying to get is that we will help lead people in the right direction because they'll be following us and they'll people that will want to be around us because we are, are different and that we've got something that they want. And that will give us better opportunities to lead souls to Jesus. So as we conclude this evening with this point of revolutionary discipleship and considering our influence, I hope you understand and gain from tonight that your influence matters. The way you live your life truly matters. Jesus called us to be different. He called us to be salt of the earth and the light of the world. Both have profound effects on what they are around. Jesus, he was the original salt. He's the original and still is the original light. He had a profound effect and he's still having a profound effect because he died on the cross for you and for me. If you want to know more about what Jesus did for you, I'd encourage you to ask, ask someone, anyone here, whether it be a minister or minister back home, whether it be the chaperone that brought you or someone from your home congregation to study with you. If, if, if you want to understand more what Jesus did for you, we would all welcome that opportunity to help and to study with you more about the effect that Jesus has had on our lives. If you understand what Jesus had done for you and you want to or would like to obey the gospel, well, tonight we'll make that opportunity available to you here in just a second when we sing an invitation song. But for most of us that are Christians, as we consider this lesson this evening and we think about our, our, light being, or our life being salt, I want us to consider how strong are we or have we lost some of that flavor and that and we've begun to let our, our life, our, our example, our salt in our life be trampled underfoot and be thrown into the trash. Or maybe we've let our light become dim. Going back to that little slide on our phones of, of illuminating our light. Or maybe we've let our light be completely put out. Maybe we need an opportunity this evening to reflavor our salt or relight our light. We sang earlier about lighting the fire. That's what tonight's about. Re-energizing, becoming more of what we need to be so that we can collectively be the light of the world as we go outside these doors this evening. If you need to respond to the invitation this evening, the Lord's invitation is extended to you.